DJ PK and Bob Casper joins us once again. Bob, good morning. How you guys doing? It's springtime in April. Yeah, it's uh, the weather's all over the map. We're not <laughs> we're not sure when we have golf weather. We got to look out the window. Sometimes we have yeah. it. Sometimes we don't. Well, it's been nice weather, you know, the last few days, but, uh, you know, it's a little chillier now, but things are beautiful in Augusta right now. They are expecting some rain, like maybe Friday or Saturday, thunderstorms and stuff, but the golf course is in pristine condition, and uh, everybody's talking about how great it is to be there in April again. So did they change the course up at all? There's not much that they've changed with the golf course. Um, We would have seen that last November. Um, but uh, the golf course is definitely playing a little bit faster um, in in April because it's had that whole growing season of the overseed. Um, It was a little softer in November because of the newer grass that was coming in, and they they had to keep it a little bit um, moister to allow that grass to grow to get ready for April. So um, definitely golf course playing faster. Greens are a lot firmer and faster right now. And uh, and it's early in the week, so uh, expect things to get more difficult as they as the week progresses. The idea of being hot going into this tournament has always intrigued me. Now, being hot doesn't necessarily mean you won uh, the last week or in the last month, right. but that you've been playing well. And the reason why I bring that up is because Jordan Spieth, who we we were ready to anoint the next whomever three or four years ago, and then he went into a funk. He's been playing well. Now, he literally did win this most recent tournament here the other day. So I'm wondering, how much do you buy in the idea of playing well? Because I was talking to Mike Weir, and you go back to when he won in 2003. He buys into that theory because of the fact that he looked at himself, and he had won twice going into Masters Week. And he even brought up that when they brought in some potential winners for the pre-Masters press conferences, they didn't bring him in, and that ticked him off. And that's my kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah, you know, if if you feel like you get slighted a little bit, you get a chip on your shoulder, and and Mike, you know, played phenomenally that week. Uh, The thing that was interesting about that week for Mike is – it rained a lot, and the golf course became really, really long, and it kind of equalized distance um, with the guys that kind of hit it shorter or more technical uh, technicians with their golf game and getting the ball in the fairway and going from point to point uh, all the way through the golf course. Mike was able to maximize on that and and was able to win because um, of the situation and, and how well he was playing that week and playing that year uh, so far, um, Jordan Spieth has played some phenomenal golf in, in his last, uh, what, six or seven starts. He's had a, a bunch of top tens, a bunch of top fives, and then just win just one last weekend at the Texas Open in San Antonio. And, um, you know, uh, he hadn't won until uh, he hadn't won since 2017 um, and had gone through, like you said, PK that that slump, um, so to speak, where um, he said he just kind of he kind of lost it and lost his perspective, but um, but he's been able to right that ship and it all kind of started back in Phoenix when he shot 61 in the third round, 
um, and had a chance to win. And then he was in another final round, um, uh, final group, and had another chance to win. And then, uh, and then was able to get it done last week. So, um, I, you know, Jordan Spieth is playing some great golf. Um, this is a golf course where um, the first time he played it, he finished second to Bubba Watson. Then he won the next year, and then he finished second the year the year after that. So it's a golf course that he's had a lot of success on. Um, and uh, anytime you can be playing well and you have confidence coming in. Uh, to a major championship and coming into Augusta, um, you, it's it's going to bode it's going to bode uh, good play or good good confidence um, in your mind. Um, and I and I think you're exactly right. You need to be playing well. You need to be hitting it well and rounding in the form when you come into the Masters. Bob, you're a very nice guy. You know that, right? I I am. You are <laughs> because PK has gone at you a few times over the years. You've always rolled with it. And he name drops. I was talking to Mike Weir, and you just let it go. You don't take yeah. any shots at him. You don't have any – nothing. I talked to Mike Weir last Saturday, last week too. So <laughs> You yeah. didn't even try to top him. Nothing. You just no. rolled with no. it. That was, no. That was very no nice point. of you. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, coming on the heels of just a really weird year, and there was a Masters just a few months ago. Yep. Uh, what does that mean for DJ when you practically just won it and you're turning around and playing it again? It's not that often. Maybe occasionally if the U.S. Open is at Pebble Beach, I guess, or something like that. But it's not that often the guys play on tour on the same course this frequently and certainly not two majors. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, this one, you know, you played in November and five and a half months later you play it again in April, um, they just played, uh, the, uh, they just played in San Diego and, uh, we're going to see them playing in San Diego again in June. So, uh, a couple of the majors this year, um, you've had repeat performances in, in just a few short months. So, um, I think one of the things that really benefited DJ last, you know, November with the masters is that, um, the golf course did play a little bit slower uh, the balls were holding in the fairway better. You're not not getting as much rollout, um, and he had a great putting week. And because of that, he shot 20 under par and and kind of lapped the field, um, broke the scoring record, that kind of thing. I think this Masters is going to be a lot different. Um, the greens are going to be firmer. I think you're going to see scores under or under 10 under par. Um, and any time that happens, you're going to have to be uh, a little bit more methodical about how you play the golf course try to get not get yourself in positions where um it's going to be difficult to get up and down and as i've heard ben crenshaw say many many times when you get around the greens and when you get on the greens they can be very diabolical at the masters and uh, that's what we're seeing so far um, in these practice rounds as guys are talking about the firmness of the greens and how fast they're rolling right now so i think that's going to um, play uh, a big part of who we see as a Masters champion this year. So when I was talking to Tom Weisskopf, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I played golf with Tom Weisskopf. See, that's it. Now you went right back at him and you topped him. See, that's more what I expected. That's yeah, exactly. Well, I was down at the Golf Hall of Fame with Gary Player, and we were putting. Well, I played golf with Gary Player too. 
<laughs> that a kid now. Okay. This is the Bob Casper right. I expected. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, when I was discussing some things with Bernard Langer. <laughs> In German. Yeah. When did that happen? <laughs> No, I haven't. Uh, where's he's it as far as it goes with me? That's a, that's Good. about it. I don't. I don't. Mike's I a great guy. You bet. So, uh, what's the fan situation going to be there? There is going to be limited fans. Um, I, I think they're thinking about eight to ten thousand per day on the golf course. Um, they're going to have to wear masks and you know exhibit as much social distancing as they can. But um, it's. It's been very selective of, of who they want to have on the golf course. They and uh, and you know eight to ten thousand is going to be it's going to be fun to have um, some roars and some claps um, as compared to what we saw in November with really um, like maybe four or five hundred on the golf course in a day. Media's cut cut short uh, again, just like it was last November. Um, and, uh, but I think the fan situation of the patrons, um, it's going to be awesome to have, you know, eight to 10,000 out and, and hear the, hear the claps and stuff. The golf course. Also, the other thing that's really, really cool is they've had a, a little bit of cool weather back there. So the azaleas and the flowers haven't quite popped yet. And, um, they're with the, with the warmth early in the week and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's going to be a really beautiful on television to watch. All right, it is time for our major championship draft. I got DJ okay. at the Masters, so I'm on the board with a winner. We've all got a winner. Who's going to be the first to win their second major? I guess that's the drama. Bob, you are the guest. You got to go first. Who would you like to pick? I'm going to take, I'm going to take Justin Thomas. He finished fourth in November, and he's trending the right, <clears throat> he's trending the right way and uh, just won the Players' Championship. So um, he's got a lot of momentum coming in here. This week, too. So, Justin Thomas is going to be my pick for the first one. I don't like you, Bob. Sorry. No, I don't think you are. All right. You're not supposed to win on back-to-back weeks, but he's got momentum. I'm going to go ahead and take Spieth. That's a good pick. You know, he won He won in Hartford and then won the Open Championship. Um, mm-hmm. So, I wouldn't put it past him if he, if he uh, you know, having won last week, if he contended or had a chance to win again this week. I'd have taken JT if he's on the board, but you're not allowing that. Good work by you. All right, PK, who do you like? Oh, I've got a personal dilemma. Do I go with Kevin na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na, or do I go with Kevin na-na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na, or do I just draft Kevin? Nah. So I'm not going to go with him. Okay. I guess I'll go with uh, DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau. Okay. It's a good pick. Because when I was working with him on distance the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Even to, you know, he even mentioned your name, PK, in his, uh, in his interview, uh, pre-tournament interview just a few minutes ago. He yeah. said you, you helped him a lot. You're on the team. He was only hitting at about 4.30 off the tee, and now he's out there at 4.45. So, PK, thanks for those 15 extra yards there. Hey, every (laughs) yard matters. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, funny. All right, Bob, second round, who do you like? 
Uh, we should John. mention, for people who are new to this game, Tony Finau, uh-huh. local guy, who we all know, who we've all talked to. I saw his sister-in-law yesterday, blah, blah, blah. Oh, see, He's, DJ has to get in. You yeah, knew he was I did. Drop. I did. He saw his sister-in-law. Well, I just, saw, I just saw him last work? week on on Thursday at San, in San Antonio. So You win. Yeah. You win again. Yep. All right, he's off the board because we all know and we all like him, and uh, we hope he wins, and nobody gets to take credit if he wins. So he's off the board. Yeah. All right, go yeah. ahead. Second round pick. Who Dustin do you like? Johnson. Dustin Johnson. There goes DJ. Yeah, he, uh, you know, uh, there's only three guys that have won it back to back at the Masters uh, Faldo, um, Jack, and Tiger Woods. And maybe this will be the fourth Dustin Johnson. Okay, I'll take uh, John Rahm. Okay, that's a good pick. Wife just had a baby last week. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking that he's going to be a little sidetracked. Okay. Uh, so. Um, so now he's going about... with Kevin Na. No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just wanted to sing that, Bob. I'm supposed to be the you know crazy uh, guy, the the nuts okay. guy here, the, the loose cannon, as they say. So. Man, I'm looking I, – I just – there's so many guys to choose from, and you just don't know. It's sort of like you know, picking out of a, a bag here and wondering, is that guy going to turn up? Because it could be – I think, like, there's probably 15 guys who can win it. So I'm just going to go with personal favorites, one that I root for, uh, Rory. That's a good. That's a good pick. Rory's a good pick. He struggled a little bit this year in his um... – you know, with his with his game a little bit, he said. But now listen to this, and I thought this was very telling. Um, he said that um, by trying to gain more distance, yeah. after seeing what Bryson's been able to right. do, it's kind of thrown him off. And he's got a new teacher now too. So, and that yeah. was so insightful. We talked about that because normally you don't hear professional guys talk no. like that. Exactly. And he just brought exactly. it. He exposed himself, so to speak, and he just brought it brought it in a real sense, and I appreciated that from him. Yeah. All right, third and final round, Bob. This is it. Oh, okay, third and final round. Um, boy, I'm just going through everything. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick one that, you know, he's our hometown kid, DJ, and I'm going to go Xander Shoffley. Ah, San Diego. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, um, PK's right. There's like There's a whole list of people now who – you know, who do you have a good vibe on? Um, Patrick Cantley. Yeah, that's a great pick. That's wow, a great you pick. usually really well disapprove of one of my picks. You've approved of all three. I'm a little worried. Yeah, yeah. it's a good pick. I like I it. I picked Cantley last time in November. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I, I did pick him. So I like him very much. Uh, I can't go with Kepka because – uh, he just got engaged, and uh, he's had some. Was it knee issues? Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, the dislocation, dislocated kneecap. Yeah. Right. That hurts. right, and that seems like he's got a lot of things going on in his life right now. He's lucky that, to be here playing. So. Yeah. Right. So I can't. I, I I just don't know if I can go. Uh, I I got to see him on the course right now. So I guess I'll go with your pick. I'm torn between Reed and Morikawa, and I, I sort of relate to Reed in that nobody likes him. And <laughs> Does that mean nobody likes you? Well, I mean, I don't want to get too personal, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so is that your pick? Uh, I'm I'm torn between Morikawa and Reed. Uh, okay. Oh man, I guess I'll go Reed. Okay, good. All right, there it is. The draft is done. Bob, we will talk to you again Thursday, at which point the tournament will be underway. Sounds good. You're the man, Bob. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for dropping a San Diego reference in. Never a bad thing there. You're the man. (laughs) All right, for those of you who don't know, Bob went to L.B. Allen Elementary. Look it up. (laughs) Like nobody knows that, (laughs) for those of you who don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Next school over from Sunnyside, where I went. So for those of you who don't know, on November 17th, when I was four years old, (laughs) I had turkey for lunch. What? (laughs) Look it up. Look it up. All right, it's time for UNM Masters Golf Giveaway. Be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. Find out what player you'll get for this year's Masters Tournament. It's it's PK's first round draft pick. It is. Bryson DeChambeau. If he wins, you'll receive the same brand of driver. The dad player has in their bag. Call in now at 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. You'll get Bryson DeChambeau. It's all brought to you by UNA Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time to get you up to speed on everything we've talked about. What went so horribly wrong for Gonzaga? Down 9 to nothing, 16 to 4, 21 to 6, and they never really recover. They never got closer than 9 the rest of the way. Baylor controls the game. Baylor wins the title. And PK, all I could think of was that Gonzaga did this a couple times in West Coast Conference play where they weren't ready to go for whatever reason at the start of a game and traded hoops with an inferior opponent and then. You know, at 33-30 or something, they put on some run and, and blew them away. But this is Baylor. They're way more talented than those teams. They're totally focused. They're not exhausted. They're coming off a blowout in the semifinals, and they were ready to go from the first couple of position, possessions in the opening minute. They had three offensive rebounds right out of the gate. They had the 4 nothing lead, and they just never let up on Gonzaga. And you brought up this point earlier. Gonzaga hasn't been in that situation. When they played poorly before, it's been against teams they were way better than. And they have been up for these other games. And they've played a dozen. It's not their schedule's not that bad. They played a dozen NCAA tournament teams, but this one was different, and Baylor never let them back in the game. Yeah, and I hope people don't think I was listening. Well, anyone listening, I had on the ESPN this morning and you know, on the headline with their Steven and who's the other guy, the boxing guy, Max, I think his Max name is. Max Kellerman. Yeah, there you go. And they were talking about, and then they have a, an overline that I could read, is Gonzaga overrated? And I, and I hope people don't think this because, no, they're not overrated. They're a really good team. And as you said, they played 12 NCAA tournament teams this year, and they won 11 of them, and they just blitzed some of these teams. You know, they handled Kansas early on. I think it was the first game of the season. And we know their last uh, win, last two wins were against the two L.A. schools. They hammered uh, USC. So, no, I don't think they are overrated. They lost. They lost in a one-game situation. They did not play well. Baylor is talking about Drew, their coach, that 
they've got an assistant on their staff who used to coach at Baylor, and Drew was talking about how he credited that assistant with coming up with a good defensive game plan, and they were tough on the glass, as you already announced. And, and there you go in that one-game situation. There's so much pressure. You fall behind, and then everything gets a little tight. And, and they had some some turnovers that – or especially early when the because this was this is funky it's not like an nba game in that you know if a team gets a 10 point lead in the first quarter i barely bat an eyelash because there's not that much pressure i suppose if it was a game seven situation which obviously in the ncaa tournament every game is a game seven situation and so you saw you kind of felt like gonzaga was squeezing it a little bit and at that point they couldn't recover, man. And they went on a couple of decent runs, but then Baylor hit two threes in a row. So what was it, nine? And then it went right back up to 15. If that's nine plus six, I think it's 15. And so that that's what you had there. I was pulling for Gonzaga. It's unfortunate. I don't think it takes away from their greatness as a program and what Mark Few has built. But now they're 0 for 2 in the title games. And, I mean, that's got to sting. And you saw it with Suggs. He was obviously extremely emotional when he came out of the game. We also talked about the Jazz, who uh, also lo- – oh, one other thing about Gonzaga. You know that mm-hmm. squeezing yeah. it phenomenon that you were talking about? And I think yeah. you're dead on as far as reading body language and the way they were playing, the decisions they were making. But And I can't remember – Wichita State was undefeated and lost in the second round, and I don't remember that game. But I vividly remember watching Kentucky just a few years ago, four years ago or whatever it was, when they were undefeated, and I felt that happened to them. And it definitely happened to that UNLV team that was undefeated with Tarkanian going on 30 years ago now. And I think that that being undefeated, it does carry a weight. And I hate that you need to lose a game. I don't know if Gonzaga lost a game that they could have beaten Baylor. There were a bunch of things that went wrong in that game. And never lose sight of the fact that Baylor's really good. You know, they made it, they're the champs with only two losses. They're a very good team in their own right, but because they lost, they didn't have the same hype. Well, I think, too, Gonzaga's viewed as a smaller, wow, look what they've done. Mm-hmm. Whereas Baylor plays in the Big 12, which I think right now you could make a strong argument that Baylor, the Big 12 is the best conference in the. In, well, now after the basketball. NCAA tournament, I think going into the tourney, it was Big Ten or Big 12, but now the Big Ten had a terrible tournament, and Baylor won it all. Yeah, so okay, it's Big 12 that now. That seals it, but I, right. I'm speaking generally, not specifically to this year. Uh, I think the Big 12 has been a really been good, good for a basketball while, yes. conference for a good while. So it's like in, if Baylor loses, well, they don't really have to prove it. No. If they win, they do prove it, but they don't really have to. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at Gonzaga, the supposed little guy up there in the great Northwest and all that stuff. Uh, I don't really look at Gonzaga that way but because I, I follow. We follow it closer. Obviously, BYU plays Gonzaga, and we follow their team pretty close, I think. And so I don't view it that way. You don't view it that way. But I think, generally speaking, people view it that way. And it's somewhat unfair the burden that they yeah. have to carry. Because if Baylor would have lost, there wouldn't be a thing, is Baylor overrated? Right. But yet Gonzaga, is Gonzaga overrated? But the Final Four and the title game, for, for all we think about Gonzaga, and we've said it before and we'll say it again, but Gonzaga and Butler, and if you widen it out to the Final Four, George Mason, VCU, going back to the Utes in 98 when they were in the – 
in the WAC, the Mountain West hadn't formed yet. And, you know, these teams make these runs, but they haven't won at all since UNLV. It's the schools that are in the conferences that play big-time football that ultimately win the title well, game. Well, no, I would say Villanova, though. Yeah, the Big East is in that weird, they don't play, you're right, they don't play big-time football. But they do have the big-time basketball persona. If you want to go with the Big East teams, yes, then you got me. But nobody views the West Coast Conference or the WAC the way they view the Big East, which may just be as simple as East True. Coast bias. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, probably some of it. All right, so for the Jazz, uh, they get beat after a nine-game win streak. Uh, they've now had nine-game win streaks twice, plus a third streak that went to 11 games. And it's over, though, and it's over at the hands of a good team, and the Jazz shot the three horribly. Dallas shot it well. I thought the Jazz played well until the end of the third quarter. It was 68-60 with about three minutes to go, and although they were missing shots, I thought they were good shots. They were open shots. They weren't going in, and they were defending well enough. I thought they still had a decent chance to win the game. But then they gave up a 19-9 run to close the quarter. And eight ballooned to 18, and they had 12 minutes left. I thought that ended the game right there. But largely... This goes back to they didn't make three-point shots. They make three-point shots, it goes differently, and you want to double down and put it on Dallas made them. Well, I think it's a combination. Uh, I think you have to go both ways there. Because if Dallas wasn't making them, then Utah would have had an opportunity to win that game, better chance than they had. I was surprised that Quinn Snyder played his starters as long as he did because it seemed to me it was futile at that point and that they weren't going to do it now. They've got a day off. Uh, but it happened, uh, and it's not going to be the last time. They're not going to go, what do they got, 22 games left? Mm-hmm. They they're not going 22-0. and zero. I mean, all of us see that. So let's see what they got going forward here. So add some intrigue now to tomorrow night. And if we can add intrigue into a slew of games, because even though they're playing 10 fewer games, it still seems like they're playing 82 games. <laughs> well, because the frequency because, is there. Yeah, <laughs> once the season started – it was we missed the first month basically, and then we just picked it up because the frequency of games, as you say, does it really seem like they're only playing seventy two? Nope. No, it doesn't. Seem like they're still playing the same amount of games at the same level. We just waited a couple of weeks or three or four weeks to get started. But once we got started, then it was the regular, regular season that we're accustomed to. So so many of these games just come and go. Well, it adds a little, a little more what luster, mustard, intrigue, attention uh, to the Phoenix game, which already had caught my eye. And uh, an ESPN game, all that, because it's an eight o'clock start our time, mm-hmm. seven o'clock down there in Arizona, and so that just adds it. And I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night's game. I, I want to see. I don't, don't want to say, oh, now we'll see what they're made of. Their their backs aren't against the wall. And usually when you have, we'll see what they're made of, they're, but it's followed by their backs are against the wall. Well, their backs aren't against, aren't against the wall. Because as I pointed out earlier, they have a six-and-a-half game lead in the Northwest Division. Thanks for that. <laughs> use you can use, people. Yeah, hardly anybody knows that. See, what am I going to do? I'm going to come on the air and tell you stuff you already know? That doesn't make us any different than any other show. No, I'm telling you stuff. Nobody, nobody in this country, in our great country, and I still think it's a great land, despite what you people think, that I think that you will not hear anybody say, hey, they have a six-and-a-half game lead in the Northwest Division. 
Uh, we got a couple things that are happening during the show we have not talked about. Things that have uh, just come to our attention, just been revealed while we've been on the air this morning. Uh, with the uh, top two picks seemingly locked in now, right? Darnold, the Darnold trade. So it's uh, if, you, if you had any doubts, you shouldn't now about who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Jets this fall. It's, it's going to be Corner Canyon's own PK. <laughs> but Sweet. now... The, the number three pick, we saw that trade. Now the number four pick, Atlanta, is fielding offers. The, in, the NFL people think the top three are all locked in. And so Atlanta, it's not the top pick, but there's enough certainty in the top three that the fourth pick is being treated like the top pick, and they're fielding offers, and teams are looking to move up, and is something going to happen there? And who's that player that everybody wants? How high well, who, can Kyle Pitts go? Who's three, then, as it feels? Is that what you're saying? I think that's what people think. Think I'm I can't tell you for sure who it is, but um, the NFL uh, people the uh, I lost the tweet now because it updated um, uh, the ESPN guy who's always on the phone Adam Schefter Schefter, Schefter tweeted it out that Atlanta's fielding offers so whatever's going on in the NFL well, they, and if they don't know who the top three are they at least think it's down to a couple guys and they want the other one. You know that, but the top three are no longer available. Those teams know what they're doing, and they're not talking. So there's some certainty at four. Maybe not complete certainty because they may not be able to name the third person. Um, you know, they may think they have their intel, and are they being lied to because everybody's lying this time of year and all that stuff? I just hope whoever it is that drafts Justin Fields as announces, let me take you down because we're going to draft. Justin Fields. Oh, here it is. Here's the Schefter tweet I found it. With teams, he doesn't say players, with teams locked into the first three overall picks, the Atlanta Falcons now receive trade calls from multiple teams and are, quote, open to moving, close quote, out of the number four spot, per source, your favorite word. Well, this is a, of course, they, 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 the, the Falcons, are, they need, they're in a rebuild, right? So why Multiple picks, they? yeah. We'll take multiple picks. I mean, is that really a source has said, or is that... I think it's more the other end that the league sees the top three locked, and so now they're all pivoting to the Falcons. There are certain things that we don't have to give equal time to. I'm going Lester Holt here. We don't have to give equal time to the sun rises in the east. Now, Lester, how about the trillions of other news that you get to decide whether we'll hear the other side to? We know damn well you don't need to tell us that the sun rises in the east. We don't need a counter to that, Lester. Can you believe journalism today? I can't. My gosh, what an embarrassment that was. The Boston Red Sox are going to be wearing gold uniforms. Are your eyes ready for that? It's going to be looking to look like the Oakland A's. Patriots Day. (laughs) Right? That's what it's for? Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, well, it's for selling jerseys, too. Right, <laughs> if they can hang it on Patriots Day. Day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's they've, not... They've worn green before, apparently, for... Well, St. Uh, Patrick's Day, right? They wear it for... And they did it to celebrate the Celtics when they won the title and beat oh, the Lakers they, yeah, in yeah. Game 7. And I saw a story. It had a list of a handful of other... Everybody wears green in spring it. training uh, on that, uh, on the March 17th. So, yeah, I understand that. Uh, but, yeah, gold jerseys. Uh. Boston Marathon inspired, too. Apparently that's the color of the Boston Marathon. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yep. 
Yeah, the jersey colors in Boston and a stencil font across the chest pay tribute to the Boylston Street finish line of the Boston Marathon. It looks weird. I don't know what else to tell you, but you'll see them soon. They're going to wear them with blue caps. So they're the Red Sox, but they're coming at you with yellow and blue. When is Patriots Day? Yep. When is that? Tuesday. That's what it says. Oh, next Tuesday? Yeah, I'm I'm not good on your Patriots Day holidays. (laughs) Google it, people. I don't know. Okay. Uh, the team here it is. Teams will wear them on April 17 and 18. Okay. So there you go. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 the zones. That's some of what is going on. Uh, when we come back, your feedback. You're weighing in on the NCAA title game and the Jazz, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The big show. The big show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. So, Chris, in the Western Conference, would you bet the Lakers or would you bet the field? Assuming health, I'd still bet on the Lakers. I don't care if they're the number 10 seed and have to play in that play-in tournament to get in. I'd still bet on them. As long as you get two or three weeks of LeBron and Anthony Davis back in the mix, it's hard to bet against the Lakers. I'm not sold on the Clippers. They're still a team that has to show me mental toughness before I pick them to win anything. But the Lakers, to me, would still be the most formidable team out there, regardless of where they finish. It would almost be a shame for the Jazz if they finish the top seed to staring down a healthy Lakers team in the first round of the playoffs. That would just probably be everybody's worst nightmare in Utah. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time for your feedback, everything you think about today's show. Dallas has had a little problem in ending the Jazz nine-game winning streak. Was it just one of those games? And we got uh, people tweeting back at us here. Draper Youth says they've had some of their worst losses against the Mavs. In Dallas, blowouts that were over early, shots were just off, times they weren't close, the legs weren't there. The schedule is too compressed. Throwing a lot of stuff against the wall there. (laughs) 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 They played Dallas twice earlier. Weren't both those games in Utah? They were. So Correct, yes. This year, the schedule is very compressed this year. I mean, you can break it down to, uh, and I've seen stories doing it, I know what the numbers are, but like a game every 1.7 days instead of every 1.9 or something like that. So the schedule is compressed, but they didn't play big minutes Saturday, and Conley didn't play at all. Now, maybe that's the difference. You know, Conley was the guy who shot it well. So maybe those 20 minutes were just 20 too much. But I thought they just missed shots. They were open and... I thought the yeah. rest of the game they didn't look. I don't think they looked bad in transition. I didn't think uh, they looked that bad defensively. The numbers didn't say they were that bad defensively. You know. You know what? Also, I think it is we haven't we haven't hit it at all this morning. We've touched on it a little bit, but we didn't discuss it this morning. I don't think there's any question that the Dallas Mavericks and everybody else knows who has know who has the best record in the league. Yes. And I think in those games, what was the phrase he used about the compressed? And so it's hard to get up for all these slew of games that yep. you have. You look at Phoenix. I mean, they barely beat Houston last yep. night. Well, Houston's a crappy team, right? They got the win. That's all that matters. But the concentration and focus and all that stuff is going to be much more 
uh, than what it was against Houston for the Suns from their perspective because they're playing the Jazz. Yes, I think the so Jazz the whole and Suns idea about getting the best shot is out there. Yeah. Yes, I think they are getting other teams' best shot. They're deep enough into this. Their record's better, so people are up for it. I think in Dallas's case, the fact that they lost twice decisively when they were playing poorly, and they're playing much better now. And it's not just a five-game win streak over the last week and a half. You know, they've been playing much better for two months. For two months, they basically sustained a 60-win pace. Dallas is playing. They're, they're more the team that we thought they were going to be when we saw them play a six-game series with the Clippers last year. They're figuring stuff out. They're way better now. I think both the Jazz and the Suns, we can get into this more tomorrow, I think they're both going to be up for this game. They both looked at the standings. They know the records. The Jazz know they're 0-1. They see they're now two and a half games up. They know if they lose, it's one and a half, and then the Suns have the tiebreaker. They're playing three times. The Suns will be 2-0, and and they got another game coming up in a few weeks. I think both teams are going to be up for this game. I think they'll, they'll, yeah. But you can't, to your point, you can't do that. The Jazz can't be up for Portland the same way, and I haven't checked Portland's schedule. Um, you know, see if they're going back-to-back also. Uh, my guess is they aren't, but I haven't looked. Robert says it was just one of those games. Missed shots lead to open shots. When you go for four for 23 to open the game from three, it leads to a lot of shots for the other team. I'm amazed they stayed as close as they did. Conley, whoo, thank goodness. <laughs> Conley's shooting did keep him in it for a while. I'm with you on that. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for a game you lost. I'm amazed they stayed as close as they did. Yeah, 68-60 in the third quarter, they could have been buried. It turns out they were a couple minutes later, uh, but it certainly could have happened earlier. And Josh says, yeah, it's one of the games I will quickly forget if they beat Phoenix. This is what I was getting into earlier in the show, PK. The storyline's about to change. You can write off the Dallas game, but if they lose to Phoenix, then uh, they're beating up on the mediocre and bad teams in the league but they're struggling with the good teams, that storyline's going to rear its head again. If they beat the Suns, the three and a half up, and the Dallas game is a footnote, and it's in the rearview mirror. It's time for you and a Golf Masters giveaway. Be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. Find out what player you'll get for this year's Masters tournament. If your golfer wins, you'll receive the same brand of driver that player has in their bag. Call in now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. It's all brought to you by you and a Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. All right, that'll do it for us. you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to say? Do you want to sing Kevin? Na, 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 na. One more time. Nah, 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 nice, nah, nice. nah. Thank you. All right, that'll do it then. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. Hands will keep trying to pry that story out of Scotty. We'll see you tomorrow from 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.